Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Are you ready to get down with D&D? I know I am, and it's me, Doc, your friendly neighborhood editor. And I am giving Chris and Sean a break today and doing the intro and outro. And I've got a special treat for you as the mystifying, marvelous, moral Mad Wizard Merwin interviews Alex Kammer, the director of Game Holcon. So, so without further ado, yep, here happening. it is. Okay, and you're talking, and you're getting wave signs. Yep. Okay, that's then then that's good to go. And we'll, okay. why don't we just start right now? Okay. Uh, w- uh, when we're done, we'll just you just click stop, the big stop, yellow stop button. Okay. And then we'll uh, export it, and you can we'll we'll send it to me and get it to our editor. Deal. Okay, so we will start in three, two, one. And as promised, I am here with the one and only Alex Kammer, who I think is going to become an annual tradition on the show because you were on the show about a year ago. Uh, so thank you for coming back to talk about the many things that you're working on. Uh, well, I appreciate it, Sean. No, it's great to be here, and I uh, thanks for taking some time to chat with me. Oh, no problem at all, because there is a lot to talk about uh, in your gaming life right now. I think the biggest one might be the Kickstarter that is going on as we speak. That's right. That's right. Today, as we record this, the uh, Kickstarter for uh, a book I've been working on for a long time, for, geez, a year and a half. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm not a full-time game designer. Those are those are not exactly unicorns, because I'm looking at one right now, but they're vanishingly rare. Uh, and uh, so I have a full-time job and full-time other things. So, uh, you know, freelance writing is something that I can do here and there. So uh, this uh, this project, which is a full hardbound uh, adventure for... Uh, for Dungeons and Dragons is uh, called Sea King's Malice, and it is kickstarting today. And I assume by about five o'clock tonight, it'll be fully funded and off. Because we have, there have been over a thousand people have already signed on, sort of pre-committing to back. So it's amazing. It's it's good to have that sort of knowledge going into the Kickstarter. That yeah, there's all these people that are interested. And I know that you've been uh, kind of doing a little bit of a tour. I saw you on Dragon Talk, I believe, or not us. Spoilers and swag. That's right. That's right. Nathan had me out. That was really fun, uh, being able to spend some time with Nathan. And, uh, yeah, I'll probably bu- bug uh, uh, Shelly and Greg at some point, too, but <laughs> maybe yep. a little later in the summer. So let's talk about the Kickstarter and the book. So yeah. this is a collaboration, it sounds like, between you, Frog God Games, and uh, Beetle and Grimm. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, what an amazing um, confluence of awesome. Uh, the uh, I started writing this book, uh, again, a while ago, um, and it's a nautical exploration uh, investigation. Uh, in, you know, and as I contemplate, you know, my writing style—that seems to be what I write. I seem to everything goes to investigations. I like that part of uh, that that style of, uh, of adventure, apparently. Um, and that's what this is. You're, the players are hired to uh, search for a missing ship, and you're not giving a ton, ton of other details other than that. Uh, through some investigation, you. Uh, uh, you follow clues and all kinds of crazy things happen. Uh, the book is essentially divided into thirds. The first third is a naval voyage across uh, perilous seas. The second third is discovery of a remote and uncharted volcanic island with all kinds of crazy stuff happening there and more clues are uncovered. And the final third is a descent into the depths to the uh, into a massive Sahagan city uh, which you, uh, through diligence and good luck uh, and and just good survival skills if you make it that far um, have the opportunity to uh, to find the object you request the missing sea captain um, who has been captured by the terrible uh, sea king himself uh, the, and uh, so it was fun because uh, the Sahagan have been a uh, an interest of mine for well since the original U series quite frankly and that's yeah. another thing you know I was I'm a play tester for uh, D&D and when I got the email in uh, in October saying they're going to redo Saltmarsh, I said, holy, you know, blank, <laughs> this is unbelievable. Here I am, you know, neck deep in Sahagan lore, and they're rolling out Saltmarsh. So uh, this is 
could not have worked out better. Um, so anyway, I got to, I built a Sahagan city and I got to, you know, design all kinds of more powerful Sahagan types of, you know, statting out high priestesses and kings and all this kind of stuff. So this is a, it's a very dangerous, uh, dangerous adventure, but I think it's going to be really fun and uh, people who've played it so far have really enjoyed it. So I'm, ex- I'm beyond excited. Yeah. So people who follow you on Twitter know that you have quite a collection of old school D&D stuff. How much does that that old school feel, you know, those old school first edition AD&D adventures inform your adventure writing? I think it does. I, I guess I'm I, and I don't certainly don't do it consciously. But I'm told by folks who read my stuff that it's, you know, consistently, consistent feedback has got an old school feel. And I, I don't even know what that means, but <laughs> that's apparently me. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I think so. And, and especially the U series, that was a really, in the history of modules, mm-hmm. in, at least my opinion, I do a lot of um, I, the modules, the D&D, AD&D modules are really the, the focus of my collection. I have a, a very big collection. I have every every uh, TSR product and original shrink wrap up until about 1995 um, and, and a lot after that but uh, so but the modules were always the magic for me as a kid you know I'd walk into a hobby store and I remember the first time I saw Tomb of the Lizard King on the on the sh- on the on the little kiosk and I thought holy I just can't even believe it and I just it just blew my mind and so they've always been the modules have always been my favorite thing in the in gaming um, yeah yeah I, I the the uh the first U series adventure, the Sinister Secret Assault March, was the first adventure I ever DM'd, oh. and I was preteen at that time. So <laughs> you know that it does it, it gets into your soul, your your gaming soul, yeah. and it it I'm the same way. You know, it just informs my storytelling through games, uh, just all those experiences. And the U series, particularly, especially if you go back and look at you know start at the first module of all you know that was that was a sort of tacitly well and expressly adopted by TSR, which is Palace of the Vampire Queen, the We Warriors production, and then start going forward, uh, Lost Caverns of Sajkanth and so on, and into the Giant series and the and the, the Drow series and so on. The U series marked a pivot that was a real change in the concept of module design because it wasn't just a area 11 mm-hmm. three hill giants their bags contain x and that's right. it there were there were real dm instructions there they, they contemplated different play styles it contemplated the ability for uh, of, uh, of players to not have to kill everything for example uh, and this was stuff that was expressly stated in the copy of the module for the first time uh, and so, you know, when you if you're going to chart the history of modules and where you know and, and pointing to where we are today, the U series is <clears throat> clearly a, a very big road mark or a, a marker on that path as to where we are today. Sure, that that trans the transition from U one to U two, um, with you know finding the strange creature on the ship, uh-huh. and you know what is that norm you know. The first couple of times I ran it for different groups, they're just like, well, kill it because, <laughs> you know, it's a monster. Yep. Uh, and and you, you kind of had to help your, your group switch that mindset of just kill everything and take its treasure to, you know, there might be bigger social implications, world implications to the things that you're seeing or the things that you're doing. That's right. The concept that NPCs are more than just, uh, you know, XB uh, targets, you know, uh, and that's where the that's where the game evolved. And, you know, that's you could you could play the game any way you want, of course. But it's it was neat to see that, especially now in retrospect, you go back and look at the U series and say, wow, this is really where this this fork in the road started to contemplate and to uh, accommodate more different uh, different kinds of play style. It's it was pretty neat. OK, so speaking of play style, uh the, the adventure, the Seeking's Malice, it uh, goes from levels 3 to 10, is that correct? That's correct. That's okay. correct. And what is the play style that – is it it's, – it, that's a lot of content. Mm-hmm. It um, is. It is. And it's, so does that uh, accommodate that full range of role play, uh, exploration, combat? Uh, y- yes, I certainly hope so. Uh, so the – you know, Sean, you're such a veteran game designer, so you know this 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 uh, the crux of trying to write a really long, sweeping adventure. <clears throat> and it it was easier for me to start with seasoned adventures at level three, mm-hmm. and with the people who back the Kickstarter get an introduction module. It's a separate piece that okay. comes with. So it's it's in the same region, and it gets it's sort of the you know what are we going to do when we grow up kind of module, which is very different in tone than we're serious adventurers. We we're not you know we're not you know in town to figure out what we're going to do. We're looking for work. Let's go. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where it was easier for me to start there and to make and for also the tone of the whole the whole thing, the sort of serious nature of this uh, this desperate um, father who owns a major shipping concession whose flagship is missing, captained by his eldest daughter, who's his most ca- competent employee and captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is just so so stunning to him. He doesn't understand these are civilized waters. There's no reason why this ship and this captain should be missing and my crew. I don't know where they could possibly be. So off you go. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I have, I'm a, I love, you know, I can do, uh, you know, dungeon crawl, hack and slash stuff for a while. But mm-hmm. for me, uh, my style is much more you know, role play stuff. So there, if you like to role play, boy, there's some really great opportunities in here. The there's a uh, the the captain who you uh, who the players will be sailing with initially uh, is one of my favorite people uh, that I've never met, and uh, <laughs> he's the he's the younger son of this this the hiring uh, hiring character, and he is terribly incompetent and arrogant and obnoxious and annoying and insulting. And if for a DM that it likes to have colorful exchanges with with their players, man, field day time. It's you know, I wrote the scene in where there's the, you're invited to dinner with the captain, and I've, 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 you know, I play tested this quite a bit. I end up play testing that all the time because I love it so much. I have so much fun <laughs> insulting the characters to try to push them to the point where you know whatever, and uh, it's it was really fun. So there's all kinds of stuff like that. Though. So I tried to really build in a fl- really colorful and enduring. Um, uh, I, I don't like really calling them NPCs. I call them characters because they are they're 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 as as full of life. I hope as 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 the player characters. So uh, I, I've got a peek at some of the art uh, that's involved, and I'm not a big visual stimulation kind of person. But looking at some of these, couple of these pieces are breathtaking. Oh, uh, thank they really you. are. Thank you. Well, that was the here's the, here was the deal. You know, I I'm busy. You know, I'm a full time attorney. I run Gamehole Con. I have some other businesses that I'm involved in. So for me to to spend the time to write a full book like this, you know, uh, the, the deal was the art has to be, you, you know, when talking to Frog God, you guys got to really roll it out with the art. So that meant doubling their normal art budget, full color, um, library binding. You know, this book, I, the, the, the deal was that this book has to look as good or better than any other book on the shelf that you'll see at a game store. So it'll not only compare favorably to anything that Wizards releases, but quite frankly, better. Uh, you know, and, and, and there's been some great third-party books out there that have sort of led the way. Uh, uh, Wolfgang with Kobold, with some, you know, mm-hmm. his, some of his books have been just beautiful. And it just shows that it can be done. Uh, and that's what this book is going to be. And so, yes, the art has been great. I mean, there's just some face-melting art that people are going to see in this book. Uh, and lots of it. I mean, like, it's, usually there's, you know, you're familiar with the standard page ratio. We're, we're well above that. I mean, there, <laughs> there, there's just a lot of art uh, in there and a lot of sidebars that are hopefully helpful and interesting. Um, uh, and as part of this, I'm uh, one of the Kickstarter uh uh, um, stretch goals, uh, and it's going to be very easily attainable because I want everyone to have it. Is a a book, a Sahagan ecology book that I'm writing that's almost done, and that's going to be a, a paperback a, a book that accompanies it, a softbound, um, accompanies the hardbound, and it is a a, a, a you know a um, I don't know. I don't want to call it a treatise, but a work on Sahagan society, ecology, culture, government, religion. Um, you know, uh, Skip Williams wrote this great book. Uh, in mm-hmm. the early 90s called The Sea Devils, and right. I didn't want to redo that, so I took uh, concepts from that, but then explored more of what the uh, Sahagan religion looks more like and Sahagan government and uh, so on. So uh, that should hopefully give uh, the DMs out there some more flavor as they you know, sort of breathe life really into this, what I think is a fascinating species. Um, you know, I, I just, I've always thought the Sea Devils were just an amazing uh, creature you know, for an yeah. opponent. Uh, because they're not dumb, unthinking brutes. You know, they're not like demons or something that are just hungry and just kill indiscriminately. They're very calculating and and very structured. Uh, and uh, so uh, I that, I really enjoyed writing this book because of that. Yeah, the 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 Suigen are a monster that I, it's kind of a go-to monster for me. Probably going back to the U series, but also just like you said, they're they're multifaceted. Um, and they're useful in water, out of water, and they're they're very dangerous. Uh-huh. They're very they're very shark like, uh, in in many ways. Yeah, yeah. They they the if you start with the basic ethos that a Sahagan or Sahugan life, and you know that's another funny like Drowdro <laughs> discussion about how to pro- properly pronounce this. Um, right. Uh, but a, a Sahagan life is 
even the lowliest one is far more valuable than any other life form. You start with that concept. And then that informs then their strategy. So they don't attack indiscriminately. They are very calculating when choosing their targets. They look at something that is that they can they they can overwhelm uh, and and destroy with minimal if if with and hopefully no losses. Um, so uh, so we start. I think that's just interesting when you consider how you know other D and D monsters. There are very few that are act that way, that are that calculating, and that uh, that first of all, they're that self aware and that conscious of their own value in their own minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that's that's interesting. And uh, and then how structured their society is with a you know based on a, a strength based society. You know, might makes right. You know, if I'm the strongest, I lead kind of thing. Um, so it's yeah, it was it was just a delight to to write, and I I just can't wait till it gets out to broader um, broader distribution so people can can see what to see what they think. Yeah. And so let's talk about what Beetle and Grimm's brought oh. to the table. Yeah, those guys are those guys are awesome. I, I, uh, Bill and Charlie and uh they're just they're great folks uh and I got to know them uh because they came out to uh GameholeCon last fall. Um and uh uh and Matt of course and uh we uh uh hit it off and just in casual conversation I mentioned they're asked about what else you know because I think I had uh yeah, I was releasing another uh, module that I'd written through uh, for Game Hall Publishing, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the close of a, a trilogy that was released at Game Hall Con, and they were looking at it and saying, oh, this looks like, you know, this looks pretty great. And I said, well, you, you know, I laid a couple copies on them, and, and I told them I was working on this book, uh, and they became interested in, in wanting to help, and, you know, so as you know, they do these great, you know, uh, accessory packages that are accompanying uh, D&D releases, and there's one for Saltmarsh that's impending here that'll be coming out shortly. Mm-hmm. Um and so they are interested in the participating in the Kickstarter, in the Kickstarter generally, and also mine specifically. So we worked it out, and what they've done is they produced uh, three really amazing maps of each of the three ships that are very important and central to my adventure. Uh, and the nice thing about these is that uh, first of all, they come in the, uh, a custom tube that look like a like a, a cartographer's tube, oh, nice. um, and they roll out. And one side is the detail of the ship as described in my books. In my book, mm-hmm. excuse me, each ship, um, the discovery, um, uh, the Zephyr, and the Bounty, the three ships. Uh, and the other side are. Uh, dry erase with the holds and uh, forecastles and cabins and everything just empty so it's an evergreen product of and there are three different styles of ship of, of configuration mm-hmm. so they these are going to be tremendously useful for any nautical campaign mine salt marsh or anything it will be nice. very useful uh, as a tool for for D&D players so they're excited about it. I'm tr- thrilled that they that they uh, got involved with this and I think uh, it's going to be a tremendous value uh, what you're going to get these great maps and this big cardboard really cool looking tube um, that works uh, you know again with my book but then any any seafaring adventure so I'm excited wow that is that is incredible yeah 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 I'm, I'm looking at the the picture of it on the Kickstarter right now and it's yeah th- there is definitely a need for that now and forever um in D and D campaigns, so that's yeah. that's a wonderful uh, addition there. Yeah, because you know the 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 uh, how as cool as their Waterdeep package was, uh, it wasn't evergreen. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, it's pretty specialized, and that's what they're. I'm, I think it's really foresightful and, and wise of them to think about. You know, can people use this stuff after right. they're done playing this adventure? And that has, of course, adds a lot more value to people like you and me who are buying this stuff. You know, I want to sure. I want to be able to use this stuff again. So that's great. And then this, these maps will certainly be part of that. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to mention on the Kickstarter before we move on to other topics? Uh, nope, nope. I hope, uh, you know, people take a look. I think it's going to be a great uh, great product and a, and a good value. So the, the, uh, we have uh, some pretty cool stretch goals. Um, one of them is uh, our friend uh, Satine Phoenix uh, uh, played um, my uh, this whole book already and uh, did it with a, a cast of all-star players and recorded them all, all the sessions. And wow. uh, so that will be coming as well so people can see uh, what this book, how this book plays when Satine DM'd it for these great players. And you can see all the fun they had and uh, I'm excited. I haven't even seen them yet and they're coming. <laughs> they're coming this week so I can't wait to see those episodes. So anyway, that's out there too. So, awesome. Yeah. So let's move on to this little project that you have been doing for a few years called Game Hole Con. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. First of all, let's for, 
uh, we've had a bunch of new listeners come on in the last year, so maybe they're not familiar with why this strange name for a convention. That's a great question. I don't, you know, boy. Uh, so the game hole is a thing. It's a, a physical location, and it's also a my, my game group. It's been myself and a, a group of people here in the Madison area that have played, um, have gamed together for, gosh, it's close to 20 years now. Uh, we've been getting together once a week, playing lots of D&D, Call of Cthulhu, Savage Worlds, uh, just basically every system under the sun for all those years. Um, every D&D uh, uh, um, edition, except for fourth. I don't think we really ever played fourth. But uh, anyway, we've been playing together for years. So when we were talking about maybe, wouldn't it be silly, wouldn't it be fun, wouldn't it be kind of crazy to start our own convention? And uh, <clears throat> when we thought, if we're going to do it, it's got to be called Gamehole Con, because that's what we are. It's the Gamehole. That's, 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 that's who we are. And it's, uh, it, was, it was so named because it was in my basement for years. Uh, and now, um, as you know, Sean, it's located above a pub I own here in Middleton, Wisconsin. Uh, and that's where uh, we play. I'll be there tonight. I'm running. This will be the pen penultimate uh, episode in Sea King's Malice. Uh, they're very close to the end. Uh, they have, I, they've survived. Uh, we have two more sessions, I believe. We'll be there tonight. We play at 8 o'clock Central tonight. <laughs> um, and, you know, you've seen my, it's an actual play space. It's, uh, yep. I've got Monty Cook's old gaming table is where, what we play on. And it's surrounded by my collection, which is one of the largest in the world. It's just, it's the treehouse I always wanted. So yeah. when it came to, uh, when it came to, you know, Game Hole Con, and boy, that's kind of a strange name. If it's not GameholeCon, I'm not doing it, you know, and that's how yep. that's how it came. So that's why that's why it's not we're not trying to be you know caustic or offensive right. or goofy or well goofy I guess is fair, um, but uh, <laughs> slightly goofy, slightly goofy. But it's become a thing as you know. It's you know we started yeah. we thought well what the hell we'll give it a shot and you know 460 some people came the first year and okay uh, well we didn't lose money that's great um, mm -hmm. and we started doing more. Uh, we wanted to uh, do much more uh, with a charitable focus. Even year one, we uh, gave everything that every, any money that we made to a local food pantry, uh, mm -hmm. and so that's we've always been doing that every year. This is not a for-profit venture. This is just for fun and for a celebration of local gaming, of, of of tabletop gaming generally, and just having a carnival. You know, it's supposed to be fun and you know the kind of con that we wanted to go to basically. Right. Um, and uh, so yeah, this year we'll probably have five thousand people here. You know, game year seven, it's crazy. Uh, yep. And uh, you know, you you've been involved for several years, and the, the Adventure League Hall is just uh, insane. I just can't yeah. even. You know what we're, what we're planning this year? Last year I thought was nuts, but this year is we're talking about a hundred simultaneous tables. That's just yeah. crazy. So we have to redesign it completely. There's a big central stage. It's going to be like a big octagon and with radiating like pie slices out, separated with pipe and drape, first of all, to help with the noise, but also okay. so different events can be running around the central stage, you know, to, to accommodate this. I mean, it's absolutely insane. Um, wow. So it's going to be a gas. But anyway, that's Gamehole Con, and uh, it's uh, it's got a life of its own now. And it's not just me. I get a lot of credit for GHC, but uh, there, there are nine of us total that are in the game hole, and they all pitch in and help. And and, and all so many wonderful volunteers, you know, the, the guys who run the Adventure League Hall, which we were talking about, you know, off off microphone here, you know, Thomas and Joe who do that, and um, and all the other people. We have great partners like Wizards and so on. It's just an amazing, amazing effort to make this all happen. Yeah, I think last year there were at least 70 tables, pretty close to 70 tables in the AL Hall alone. Yeah. And we definitely could have filled more. Uh, <laughs> and we, sounds like we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're just trying to do things, you know, the, the convention gaming, you know, the pros and cons to everything. And the problem with convention gaming is that it can be loud, it can mm -hmm. be crowded. So we're trying to mitigate that. Last year we carpeted the hall, first of all, and I think that helped a lot. First of all, just yep. it's nicer to be on, to stand on, but also dampens the noise. Uh, we can, we're also going to make more efforts to continue to spread tables out more. Um, and again, the, the pipe and drape separating areas will hopefully, hopefully knock things down. Um, so we'll keep working on it. I mean, we want to, we want everyone to go, walk away and say, man, that was the best show we've ever been to. What a tremendous experience. I mean, that's the goal every year. And, uh, so, um, and then for our DMs, we try to do, you know, we try to do the best we can to take care of them with the, mm -hmm. sort of the usual rewards, you know, cop badges and all that kind of stuff, but also some really cool, uh, D and D swag and, and wizards mm -hmm. has been a big help for that, but we produce our own, uh, as well. We got a really cool, uh, D and D ball cap, you know, that we're pr producing this year and they're expensive, but whatever, you know, those, the, those guys and gals who come and, and run D and D for, you know, 20 hours or 30 hours a week, that's crazy. And that, you know, I can't thank them enough. So if we can give them some, some nice stuff to take home, um, that's the least we can do. 
Yeah, I still wear my winter hat. <laughs> there, some of the plushies are lying around here. <laughs> great, uh, so, that's so awesome. That's great. So uh, we'll talk about the Adventures League and the D and D side of things uh, in just a second. But you know, it's it's not just that. I mean, that you have a ton of seminars and live streams that go off there, and uh, True Dungeon has mm-hmm. a big presence there. Is all that. Uh, ramping up or, or happening as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, True Dungeon, as I, I don't know if you know this, Sean, but I'm one of the owners of True Dungeon. It's myself, uh, yep. Jeff, Jeff Martin and Laurie Martin, and I, I've been helping them to, well, bring bring uh, True Dungeon to other shows other than Gen Con, uh, and uh, that's been really fun. So, yeah, of course, they're a big presence at, at, uh, at our show, uh, and we're going to have some unique content this year that's exclusive to Gamehole Con, which is great. So uh, for the True Dungeoners out there, um, you know, good reason to come to Madison and spend some time with us. Also, the the ticket costs are much lower than it is, for example, at Gen Con. Gen Con's mm-hmm. an expensive place anyway, yeah. uh, uh, and it's uh, expensive to play True Dungeon there, despite the fact that those 8,000 or 9,000 tickets will sell out here on, I think it's Sunday, I think they open, um, mm-hmm. will sell out in something like a minute and a half. It'll be insane. Uh, just right. I can't even believe how that goes. But, uh, but yeah, we have, uh, we're also about... Not quite 50-50, but it's probably about 60-40, uh, and you have to back miniatures out of that too. Board games. We have a tremendous board game uh, presence. Uh, we have we bring in guest designers, board game designers. We give seminars that you, you spoke of. We have a lot of RPG-focused ones, but also ga- uh, board game design mm-hmm. uh, seminars and uh, lots of events. We have tons and tons of board game events that people can play in, uh, in not just tournaments, but just one-offs that people are submitting and they want to play, you know, Twilight Imperium or whatever, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 pretty great. Um, and we have a, a growing. It's the smallest part of our show, but it's very robust uh, miniatures, uh, and uh, you know that's kind of a that's a, a niche in of itself. You know when you talk about uh, you know War Machine and then to historical miniatures and so on, and the mm-hmm. people who play those games are really dedicated and they're awesome. So they have their own area to play, and that's again that's one of our highest growth areas is uh, miniatures. Um, we have a kids track. You know all the the game hole folks have kids almost all of us do and uh so it's important to us to have a really fun place for kids to play so games run by kids for other kids to play in and uh, games that kids can play in that have been uh you know with with game masters that have been background checked by us uh mm-hmm. so it's a uh, so parents can have a high degree of confidence that their, their kids will have a great experience at our show um so yeah there's a we have a big free games library um you know, it's uh, it's you know thousands of games people can come and, and uh, check out and play and and the big one for us, Sean, is uh, you know I've been going to Gen Con forever and ever and ever and one of the most frustrating things is finding a place to just play. Yep. You know, it's just it's almost impossible. You know, unless you do it in your hotel room, you know, it's crazy. So we have we've always had that as a big focus of having open open play space. You know, it's mm-hmm. not it doesn't make financial sense. I can understand why there isn't much in most cons because you can right. fill it with ticketed games, you can sell it to vendors, you can do all kinds of things to make money with it. Um, but it's just important to us to keep expanding our open play space in step with our attendance growth. So people can, if you buy a game, you have a place to sit down and play the damn thing. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's a silly. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm awfully proud of it. I think it's fun and the, the, uh, the, it's, re- it's been very rewarding despite all the work uh, because people keep saying nice things about it. So, uh, yeah, we're, we'll keep rolling. So just so I'm aware, it's October 31st through November 3rd of this year, correct? Correct. In Madison, Wisconsin. That's and right. the one other thing I wanted to mention was the, the times that I've been, I turn around and I'm bumping into someone in the industry. I, you know, turn around. Oh, there's Mike Merles. Turn around. Oh, there's Jeremy Crawford. Turn around. There, you know, you name it. Whether it's a current designer or someone who, you know, is a foundation of the history of role playing games, they are there. Uh, can you talk about that? Any oh. special guests that you would like to bring up? Yeah, yeah. Geez, that's another whole subject. Um, well, because of folks like you keep saying nice things about our show to other people, <laughs> everyone, all these folks want to come. Like, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Everyone, it's so cool that when someone comes to our show, uh, they come back. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we have data on that. And, you know, you can look at the data from the PAXs and Gen Cons and how much repeat they have. We're in the high 80s to low 90s of across the board of people who return to our show, which is just so humbling. Uh, and the same thing is for guests. Uh, you know, we have uh, – we've always tried to bring – I mean, our first guest, our first guest was Chris Perkins. 
Mm-hmm. That was the one that we, when we were just saying, hey, let's do the show. Let's let's see if someone, from one of the Wizards folks, would want to come out. And Chris was willing, and he's been to every one of our our conventions. And I just was talking to him yesterday about what he wants to do for this year. Um, and you know, Chris doesn't go to a lot of shows, and right. uh, the fact that he comes, he, he makes a real effort to come to our show every year is awesome. Uh, and most of the D and D design team comes. You know, as you mentioned, Merles and Crawford and and, uh, and Chris Lindsay will be there, and so on. Um, but, uh, you know, people that were important to me as a kid, like Mark Miller, you know, Traveler, mm-hmm. is, comes. And we have a lot, so we, and we also have a lot of the older school TSR guys because they happen to be in the area. Right. Um, but also, this, this neat side piece that's developed are the sort of celebrities in the D&D world. Uh, you know, Matt Mercer came last year and he had a great time. You know, he's coming back. I'm I'm 95% sure that uh, Deborah Ann Wall is coming this year. I'm actually going to go out to when I go out to LA here later in the week. Uh, we're set to talk, and we've talked on the phone a couple times, and she's all excited to come and play, uh, um, you know, and so on. So people like that, you know, Pat Rothfuss comes every year. Uh, you know, it's 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 cool that, uh, and, and my pitch is always, hey man, whoever you are, you can come, and you don't have to do any signings. In fact, you don't have to do anything. I don't care what you do, just so you have fun and you're present. Um, our attendees would love to play a game with you, um, and but you don't have to kill yourself. Please don't schedule you know four games in one day. That's just right. not allowed. Just you are here to have fun, enjoy, interact with your friends in the industry, make new friends, and interact with the fans in a way that's more civilized than you know right. like a big fan con where it's just crushing lines and all that nonsense. I hate that stuff, and so we're never going to do that. You know, and even yeah. as we grow, we're going to figure out how to keep that from happening. So yeah. yeah, so thanks for mentioning. I forgot about their guest. Oh. That's a, that's definitely a thing. I mean, it's it is neat to just walk down the hall and like, hey, Monty, you know, or whatever. You know, it's just uh, <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, yeah. And so let, now let's get around to the Adventures League and the D and D side of things, uh, since this is a down D and D show. Yeah. And so uh, one of the things that you did last year was a special uh, uh, convention created content area that only you could play in in the Border Kingdoms. Uh, how did that go over, and what's the future for that at this game, Hokan? Yeah, well, you know, you're intimately involved with that with our with our friend Dave uh, and and the Moonsea region, and uh, as you know, Wizards uh, looked at you know out there in the landscape and picked um, uh, Dave and 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 GHC as, uh, as as good places to start with this concept of you guys can develop <clears throat> parts of your of the Forgotten Realms as your own created content and develop your own storylines. I mean that. That's tremendous, and so for for us, you know, Ed Greenwood has been a big part of that. Um, he has uh, he helps us write uh, and uh, and sort of uh, and, and spitball our, our our stories every year. And so we started last year, and uh, you you ran a special that sort of concluded the whole thing. And we mm-hmm. uh, we had uh, I believe eleven different adventures that all had a central theme, concept, and story that built to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it went over really well. People really enjoyed it, uh, and we're going to do more of the same. The story continues. I mean, what the, the vision that Ed and I had when we were coming up with this is to have enduring NPCs and sweeping storylines that change the not you know the landscape and also the the political structure of the border kingdoms. You know, the cool thing about the border kingdoms and the reason why. Geez, I remember this, whatever, you know, a year and a half ago when Ed and I were on the phone talking about where should we, you know, we have these choices, where should we go? Um, Ed said, you know, the border kingdoms is something I've always wanted to get back into because it's so turbulent and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's so much going on there and just really it's a land where anything's possible because there's so little... There's no there's no overarching uh, political structure, right. uh, so it's been really fun to write there, and uh, I think our authors are having a good time um, kicking around and and uh, writing stuff about the border kingdoms. And so yeah, we have another eleven or so um, uh, adventures coming out, concreted content for the border kingdoms, in addition to <laughs> all the stuff that Wizards is sending us. I was mentioning it to you off off, uh, off microphone. I think I have fourteen titles. Um, yeah. premieres and epics and so on that we're going to be able to announce here soon. I mean, I, the amount of content is insane. Uh, so please DMs, if you are a DM, <laughs> we already have we have lots signed up. But man, we could use all the help we can get. Uh, we we try to do the best we can. Uh, you know, we try to lead the industry in in rewards to DMs and stuff and cool stuff that you get to take home. Please consider. Um, you know, hitting our site or or, or hitting a, a, up a Joe Alfano or, or a Thomas Valley uh, and signing up to be DMs because we have so much awesome stuff and so much great content and Wizards always swags you guys so well. So uh, yeah, we're gonna need all hands on deck to run all this stuff because it's just it's it's insanely ambitious. 
Yeah, if you're running 100 tables at one time, I'm not great at math, but I believe that you would need 100 DMs to do I that. I think approximately that, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, so not only do you have all of the the Border Kingdoms content and you have all the Adventures League content, there is going to be a new campaign launching there that is still mysterious. We still don't know what it is, uh, but we know it's going to happen. So people have that to look forward to as well. Yep. I mean, yep. that's that's a lot of D&D for people. And as, as someone who's volunteered there for a few years, uh, you are not lying when you say that the swag is great and the, the community is great and the whole experience is wonderful. So um, I, too, would suggest anybody who wants to uh, DM at a at a convention it's a great experience it's how i got my start in the industry is just volunteering to go to these conventions run games and and learn the game you know from that direction and it's it's a great experience well yeah i don't know i don't think we've ever talked about this this is kind of funny that uh years ago um at gen con and i think this is when dave of baldman was first doing gosh what is it there's sort of the the higher end you could do a, a like a vip pass oh, or yeah yep yeah, yep yeah. And so you could have, you'd play with one DM the entire time. Well, yes. you were the DM for one of the guys and his family, Mike Mahalis. And oh, yeah, uh, yeah. He said, oh, we got this great DM. We got Sean Merwin. I said, oh, I don't, I don't know Sean. So we, that, that's before, this is before uh, Game World comes even a thing. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, no, that's, that's great. You've been out there on the front lines for a long time helping and, and, and uh, improving the hobby and making it, uh, you know, have, providing great experiences for people. And, you know, that's what it is. If you, when you're a DM at a show and you run a great game, you really, it's, I don't, it sounds like hyperbole, but you, you're changing lives, but you're certainly improving mm-hmm. them. People walk away with like, man, that was great. I can't wait to get home and I want to get into a group and I want to run a game like that or play in a game like that in my local store. It's just a tremendous thing that you can impact the hobby by, by running good games it shows right or or you know you not just impact other people's lives you impact your own life Mm. because maybe at the show you're running uh you know there's someone who who is an artist who wants to get into the industry and you're a writer who Mm. want to get in the industry you've just made a connection that's that you and this other person can work together and grow together up uh, or just make friends you know who will turn into your home group that will turn into a lifelong you know friendship which is how i've made many friends uh in the western new york area so yeah, yeah, yeah. just yeah. And, and, and and along those lines i mean the, this is a pretty great opportunity to come and meet you know all the um al admins oh, yeah. virtually all the uh, design team i mean that's just that's the only show where you really get that experience to have all those folks there and and have them accessible still again it's not like you know you have to go wait in line for an hour to meet someone and you'll run into most of the folks that you want to run to just if you're spending time if you're at four days of the show you're gonna see everyone just by just by uh, dearth of the of the of the physical reality of the show it's just a it's a footprint yeah. and you'll be there and you'll see them it's pretty cool yep. it's pretty cool St- standing by the food food trucks or <laughs> yep. you know in the hotel bar or wherever they're they're everywhere yeah yeah all right so let's switch gears and talk about your work with the more um social aspect of conventions and gaming oh Um, this has been a topic that's been huge in the industry for you know for probably the last three or four years um could you talk about the presentation you gave at gamma and the work you've done around that sure i appreciate that um well, as a background, what I actually do for a living is that I'm a plaintiff's personal injury lawyer. I'm a civil rights lawyer. So I represent people who've had terrible things done to them, and one of those subsets are victims of sexual assault. In fact, I'm right now in a case that's a terrible case involving a cruise line. It's just this. Anyway, it's so I, I fortunately have never been a victim of sexual assault. Uh, but for someone, I don't know anyone who who has who has not that could be closer to really appreciating what a victim goes through because it's something that I deal with on a almost day to day basis professionally. And uh, this the 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 destructive the, how, how life destroying an event like that can be. And you know, trying to these people trying to pick up the pieces of their lives and move forward, and you know, doing what I can to help them through that process. Uh, so that deeply informs deeply informs my approach to any social gathering uh, and, and, and specifically game hall con and, and conventions and so what I thought is that hey I'm a middle-aged white guy um, heterosexual I I don't need to be I, I'm not it's not appropriate for me to be the champion of, of diversity uh, and so on although I, I'll certainly be the, your most zealous supporter 
Um, but what I can do is 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 contribute my you know meager intellectual abilities, and that is by writing policies, good policies that I that I think will hold up and that can be consistent. And so my goal is first of all to make it absolutely clear that GameholeCon is a safe place for everyone, that everyone's welcome, and to have policies that directly uh, re relate to that. That the policies are clear, forward-facing, understandable. And that the uh, the the consequences for violation are clear as well, and that's a kind of a nuanced subject. That's a harder one, um, but and we could talk about that a little bit. Um, and also, not just for attendees, how you have to treat each other, but also industry professionals. This is such a uh, it's a, a, a I don't want to say a new industry, but it's a very juvenile one in a lot of ways mm -hmm. in that there hasn't been there's no real governing body or anything like that there's nothing to say here's how you know you as a as a game designer are supposed to act in in, in public spaces when you are when you are there professionally mm -hmm. and it's because we all came from different walks of life and we all happen to like gaming and we some of us are good at writing and here we are together having a beer all of a sudden you know and and then right. we've, we've seen all these things that go sideways and so I thought well let's try to get a handle on that so as you've seen Sean, when you accept a, a guest invitation to my show, you have to actively opt in to our professionalism mm -hmm. standards, and it says what is what this sort of thou shall and thou shall not kind of stuff. Right. Even though I felt silly writing it, I thought, geez, you know, we gotta, you know, this we gotta start somewhere. Uh, and fortunately, those have been now adopted by Gen Con and, and Gamma um, to to do the same. So we can have what we'd like to get to is that everyone in the hobby, everyone of every 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 stripe, can come. Is to be an industry professional or attendee and have understand exactly what the expectations are. That everyone's right. going to treat each other well. That everyone's going to be decent to each other. That everyone is going to be to be as kind and and considerate and so on. Because this is we're all this has to be. And so to get there, I think uniformity is key with all shows. Uh, and I think we're getting there. We're making good progress. That conventions are increasingly adopting. Um, the, uh, the the standards that we've put together, and you know, I gave a talk at Gamma with uh, David Hoppy from Gen Con, um, and David's been great to work with on this. He's been very proactive as well, and he's put together, you know, using mine and other sources, some great standards. And he and I both have offered any show out there, or any game store, or any you know weekend game, anything you can can use go and just cut and paste our, our policies just go ahead and take them there's no no one's asserting any proprietary right to any of that stuff this is this is this is they're all meant to be shared uh and so if you are if you're running a games day or you're starting a convention there's no reason to recreate the wheel you know you can go just mm -hmm. take this stuff adopt it change it if you want to make it your own but uh you know use that use that source material there have been some smart people who've worked on those things and, and they're and they're good um, so I'm, I'm proud of that, and I think that you know we've had zero instances incidents at GameholeCon, and it's my goal to keep that zero. Mm -hmm. But if there is an incident, you have to have a plan in place to how to handle it. Sure. Um, and you know it's an interesting subject because you consider sort of a continuum of, of potentially bad behavior. You know you have a, you know I don't know we can use the example on one end of the sort of more discreet problem. You know someone who's taking too many photographs of a cosplayer, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's not hey you're banned, you're out, done. You know that's probably that's correctable behavior, um, right. and so you just have to have a process ready to do that. On the other hand, if there is something that looks like an assault or cornering someone in a bathroom or actual threatened violence, that's that's got to have an immediate and strong response, and that's got to be the ban. Um, but you know, I don't want to uh, be too quick to throw people out of the hobby. First of all, that's not inclusive in and of itself. I mean, I think mm -hmm. that there, we, if people can people can change and if people uh, show actual contrition uh, and ownership of bad actions if they're not too bad um, you know they can come back to the tribe uh, and because if you the problem is if you take people and you just ostracize them effectively they become someone else's problem they go to they can go to another fandom and they haven't learned they haven't become any better I think it's a, our part of our, our, our job our duty as, as as leaders in 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 the, in the hobby to try to help people to show them what is proper behavior because you know we have we have people who just some some who just don't know and right. um, you know I think we can make a difference that way we like to think that common sense is common but it's not yeah um, it, it sometimes common sense for one person needs to be taught to another person and you know and we are a you know we are a hobby that has for a long time been in the shadows and insular and as social media has brought and brought people you know out into the public and as conventions have 
th- there is a need for this understanding of how s- how social interactions work with different groups. And so I think it is it is a great opportunity, like you say, to teach as long as the the behavior is not so bad that it, it can't be tolerated. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, you know, it's because we have what a fast what a tremendous time to be a gamer i mean it's just like yes. it's, it's insane i mean you and i started around the same time you talk about the early 80s to today i you know the the influx of 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 new gamers into the hobby which is so wonderful and from all walks of life you know it used to be such a male a young male dominated uh mm-hmm. hobby and then becoming an older male dominated hobby because we as right. we all aged and to see the change uh and the the the, the, the increasing diversity uh in the sh- in the hobby is just amazing and that's one of the things i'm most proud of uh, of game con is you walk around you think my gosh it is not just a lot of a lot of women here but it's almost more women here I and mean, we're very close mm-hmm. to 50 50 male female attendance which is just i think that's a I'm just so proud of that. I think it's so cool that um, it's it's a changing. It's not just our show. It's a it's a it's a function of the hobby how it's changing, but it's also that people feel comfortable uh, to go and 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 take mm-hmm. a shot and go sit down and play D and D with uh, with people they don't know. And uh, um, it's yeah, it's it's really great. But so because of that, uh, with so many new people in the hobby and so many old people in the hobby were uh, you know. Quite frankly, stupid behaviors were tolerated because there was yep. no one really to offend. Uh, there, there has to be, there has to be a, a process or a screen or, or you know, some, 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 uh, some rules to to make sure it's fun for everyone. This can't be an old boys' club. I just won't tolerate it. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I've, I've got kids. You know, my wife loves coming to the show. I have lots of, of, of friends of all all flavor uh, gamers, and you know, come hell or high water, they're going to have fun at Game Con. I just will not tolerate bad behavior. Yeah, I've been bringing my daughter to conventions since she was a year old. Mm. And it's funny how you may ignore things at one point, and then as your perspective changes, you begin to see problems that where you didn't notice problems before. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. I've got a little girl who's now going to all of a sudden be 11 this year, and she's run games at GameOcon, and she's really yep. excited. She's got a whole suite of games she's going to run. And, man, people, uh, there, there is... <laughs> People uh, will will be kind and and sweet and nice to all the 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 little people that come to the show, or they're they're going to be removed with alacrity. Uh, that just is not that's something that just can't be tolerated. And uh, same thing for I mean you have it's we have so much. Uh, it, development along identity lines these days which is fascinating mm-hmm. and great that people can be whoever they want to be that has nothing to do with gaming if you that the 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 the, the whatever however you want to identify what possible impact could that have when you're playing games and the fact that people feel ostracized in, in, in tabletop gaming is just insane and they just won't stand for it that's just right. that's crazy uh, that's 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 the so again i there i i will do everything i can to to uh, not only in my show but effect change in, in other shows as well as i can to uh to make sure everyone is is welcome and can have fun gaming because it's such a great hobby it's meant so much to me it's just been a such a big part of my life and everyone should have the opportunity to have the same experience that you and i have had yeah, absolutely. So we're we're nearing an hour into this, and I know that you have this little Kickstarter that you need to get going. Uh, That's right. So, is there anything else that you wanna you wanna mention um, in your gaming life for the foreseeable future? Well, I'm looking forward to uh, by the time I'm not sure exactly when this airs, but this will probably be after Descent. I'm looking forward to seeing my friends this weekend yeah. in LA. That'll be great. Uh, and I'm my Kickstarter will be rolling along. Uh, sea King's Malice is going to be a reality here in just a matter of hours, and I just. It's almost exciting to the point of almost tears for me for how much how much work I've put in this thing. I can't believe yeah. it. I can't wait to hold that book in my hand. And it's always been a dream of mine. I mean, since I went to a uh, uh, a, uh, a department store here in central Wisconsin called Value Village, and I saw <laughs> the four-paneled display of deities and demigods, the player's handbook, monster manual, and, and uh, DM's guide, I thought, oh, my oh. God, what is that? You know, yeah. I just can't even believe it. I said fifteen dollars a piece. Holy! I got to mow a lot of lawns, yeah. um, and I and I got them. And ever since that moment, the thought of my having a book, a hardbound, full-colored D and D book with my name and on game store shelves, has just been a dream of mine. And to have it mm-hmm. on the cusp of happening is just just a little surreal. Um, so I'm so excited about that. Um, well, anyway, we're excited. We're excited for you because I know that feeling. 
and there isn't a feeling like it having that lifelong dream you know finally there so yeah, we wish you we wish you luck even though you will not need any luck <laughs> uh, because this kickstarter is going to go gangbusters for sure yeah well thank you my friend i appreciate it no no problem if people want to find you on twitter facebook or any of the other social media sites where should they go yeah uh you search with my name on twitter but my current handle is ghc and tacos uh that's where uh and if you if you are interested in uh, vintage TSR products. What I've been doing is a tour of TSR products, one a day, sequentially through time. And we're now in the year 1991, which reminds me, I have to make my post today. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. I think it's, uh, I think it's the second Mastic module. I think it's going to be FMA two. I believe is what I'm going to post today. So I'll post an image from my. These are actual images from my collection, and a, to the extent the character count allows me to uh, tell a little bit about it. Um, so that's me on Twitter. Uh, we have uh, the Gamehole Con general discussion page on Facebook. There's the Gamehole Con main page on Facebook. Um, and I think that's about it. And of course, the book, uh, the Kickstarter, Sea King's Malice, any search there, uh, and you'll, that'll take you right to that Kickstarter, which should be, the, light, the switch should be being turned on here any minute. And we will have a link in our show notes to all of those sites. So thank you so much for spending some time with us. I will see you this weekend. That's right. Uh, in L.A. Very good. And, and then again at Gamehole Con. So you take care now. You too. That was the Mad Wizard talking to Alex Kammer. Go check out the Sea King's Malice currently on Kickstarter. It's blowing its goal out of the water. Okay, that's enough for me. Um, but before I go, how about some Patreon shoutouts? We've got John Arcadian, Chris Mead, Scott Robinson, Sean Nicholson, Nick, Sean Gilgore, and Jim Morrison. Speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron of Down With D&D, you can click on the link in our Patreon page to our Patreon page and the website, and for $2 a month, you can get yourself a shout-out. For $4 a month, you not only get a shout-out, but also the pre-production show notes and access to our misdirected Mark Slack room, where you can chat with us whenever, and I am on there. If you cannot help us monetarily, but you want to give us a boost, you can always do so with an Apple Podcast review. They help even if you're not listening to us via Apple Podcasts, since many other podcatchers use Apple Podcasts as their way to rate and rank shows, which would make us more visible. You can find me at Doc Palindrome everywhere fine Doc Palindromes are sold. Or you can find me on my show, The Lounge, also on the Misdirected Mark Network, where I talk with game designers and podcasters and people working with games and doing new cool things with games and i have a great time doing it and it's a fun conversation and i want you to be part of it and just like the lounge down with D is a misdirected mark production the media arm of encoded designs and you know what i'm gonna do now i'm gonna go kill some undersea monsters you're down with D. yeah you know me you're down with D. yeah you you're down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D and D? Down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D and D?